This is Creating Windows, Not Bars, a monthly show on Justice Radio on WMPG with your hosts, Mackenzie Kelly and Linda Small. Today, we are talking with Jen LaChance, Director of Advocacy and Victim Services, and Jenny Steio, Director of Operations of Through These Doors about the challenges women face domestic violence victims and while incarcerated and upon release. But first, a little information about us. I'm Mackenzie Kelly, a recovery coach and peer mentor coordinator from Healthy Acadia and the program director of Reentry Sisters. And I'm Linda Small, a project coordinator with Maine Prisoner Advocacy Coalition and executive director of Reentry Sisters, an organization with a trauma-informed and gender approach to reentry support. For the past several months, we have worked together to provide support and community for justice-impacted women as they reunify with their families look for work and housing, and complete their educational aspirations. Our show explores safety and community and asks what it's like for people to come home after serving time in prison. Today, we're talking about the challenges women face recovering from domestic violence trauma while incarcerated and in transitioning from prison back into our communities. We'll begin with some introductions. We'll start with you, Jen. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to Through These Doors? Sure. Thank you so much for having me, too. I really appreciate that. Um, My name is Jen. Um, I have been working at Through These Doors, formerly Family Crisis Services, since 2000. Um, In 2002, had started a program working with women who who were held in the correctional facilities down at Cumberland County Jail. And I was able to take over and oversee that program in 2005. Um, And since then, I've been able to, our our organization has been able to um, not only expand our programming at Cumberland County Jail, but also offer programming at the Women's Center in Wyndham. And then when the Reentry Center opened down the hill, as we like to call it, we were uh, fortunate enough to be able to start programming there. We've been fortunate enough to be able to do domestic violence support groups, um, and just programming and support and advocacy for individuals who have been incarcerated in all three facilities. Great. Thank you. Uh, Jenny, how about you? Thanks for having me as well. It's really exciting to be here. Um, My name is Jenny Stacio. I'm the Director of Operations here at Through These Doors, and I joined uh, Family Crisis then, now Through These Doors, in 2007 um, as the incarcerated women's advocate. And so my primary responsibility was to work in the county jail and the main correctional center providing support groups and educational groups about domestic violence and healthy relationships. Um, I did that role for a few years and then transitioned to working in our residential program um, in our emergency shelter and still continuing to work with individuals who identify as women who were leaving the correctional centers to provide emergency shelter. And so it's a near and a passion that's near and dear to my heart. Um, and so I'm really excited to talk about our programming and the ways that we can support people. That's great. Thank you both for introducing our audience to this important work. So Jen, can you tell our audience about the mission of Through These Stores and what you offer? The mission is to provide victim safety hold offenders accountable, and engage the community in, in looking at looking at domestic violence and making sure that we are all um, having a place of, of trying to support of survivors and hold offenders accountable. Um, our organization really looks at 
where the needs are in our community and our, our resource center covers Cumberland County. So there's many other domestic violence resource centers in the state, but our, our catchment area really uh, tries to get very creative on how to connect with survivors who may be very isolated or have severe boundaries and barriers to access services. So in a short answer, we are doing a lot of things, community engagement, survivor safety, and offender accountability work. And both of you share how your services support women who are victims or survivors of domestic violence. Jen, if you want to start. We have a variety of services. So as Jenny had um, shared, we have a residential program for individuals and their children if they have children that they need to bring in. We also have transitional housing. We have outreach offices where we help people through navigate the civil and criminal legal systems. So if someone's looking to do a protection from abuse order or if they need to file a police report or navigate those systems, we have advocates in three offices in Cumberland County. Um, we also have a child protective services liaison who works if non-offending parents are involved in the child protective services and there's a layer of domestic violence within that family unit. Uh, we have an advocate that can help support the non-offending parent and, and um, their children. We have an intercultural engagement advocate uh, to make sure that we are trying to meet the needs of many of the asylum seekers and refugees that are coming to this great state and needing services. Not only are they needing services just to get their basic needs met um, and come to a new country, but also there's domestic violence that very well be could be happening in their family. And we want to make sure that we're offering those services. But one of the, the program that we talk about a lot between Jenny and I is our program, the Safe uh, Women's Reentry Program. Um, it is gender specific because it's we want to be gender responsive in the work. Um, and we also recognize that many, many people who identify as women who are in the correctional facilities have significant trauma throughout their life. And we want to make sure that if they happen to be in a correctional facility, that we want to make sure that that they know that they, that there's support there. Um, and, and so that's one of the ways that we really try. We're very proud of our organization because we're we're the only one in the state that funds a, oh, a full-time advocate to do this work. Um, there's a lot of other domestic violence resource programs that will go in and run groups, but we're really, really proud that we've been doing this work for 20 plus years now of pr prioritizing this important community. I'll just add that we are actually, Jen, so we're one of the only in this, we are the only in the state and we're one of a few um, nationally domestic violence programs that focuses specifically on um, individuals who are incarcerated who've experienced abuse. Uh, Jenny, yeah. um, you also said something about uh, residential programming. What exactly does that look like? Yeah, we have a 16-bed emergency shelter in Cumberland County for survivors of domestic violence. And then we also have transitional housing, which is a scattered site model. So we pay rent for people for up to two years um, who are, again, fleeing or homeless as a result of domestic violence. And we also have a newer program, which is a rapid rehousing program, um, very similar to our transitional housing, but it's just a year-long program. And all three of those programs um, are open for people who are leaving incarceration as well if they, you know, are experiencing domestic violence and looking for a safe place to be. That's great. That's exactly where I was going to go, Jenny, to talk about linking those residential programs with the women who are the victim survivors who are incarcerated currently. Do you know if any of those facilities are accommodating women on the home confinement program through corrections? 
Yeah, we have had a few people who have stayed in our emergency shelter. I don't know that we've had anyone come from the Women's Center or the Reentry Center, um, but we have had people come from CCJ, Pembroke County Jail, both on a one person on a home confinement while she was out to have a baby. And then she had to finish her sentence back at the jail, but she was able to be out with us for a couple months. And then another couple people on that home confinement finishing out the remainder of their sentence with us in the shelter. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, those women, many times they get released and they have no else to go. And so hearing that is very heartening because they're definitely in need of service. And speaking of services, we'll start with you, Jen. What is it that you need to do to accommodate working in the carceral state with women? Are there different ways that you can negotiate with incarcerated women or through corrections to have access? And I know that you have a full-time advocate, which is fantastic. So I'm assuming you've already bridged that gap. We've worked really hard because we recognize that we're working within a system. It's, you know, it's not having folks come to us, to our shelter, our spaces, but we work within a system that has protocols and rules and all of the other things. So it's really important for us to recognize that we're going into someone else's house. And I use air quotes on that. Um, So for us, uh, we go through the DOC trainings. The usually, sometimes it depends, but uh, most of the time we go through uh, the trainings where we're allowed to have badges to get into into the you know MCC or the reentry center because both spaces we have office space there that they allow us to have, and then at Cumberland County Jail we all go through the orientation, the volunteer orientation program because we have been persistent and consistent when we have staffing. I think that allows us to be able to keep showing up to the correctional facilities. You know, when COVID hit, we couldn't go in a lot to CCJ, but as soon as they, then they opened us up to run Zoom meetings, Zoom groups with us. And then it was, we're letting few groups come in. We want you back in here. So I, I feel like we're respected in that way. I, I think that DOC really, and, and Cumberland County Jail really understand that it is very, very important for us to continue to have connections with uh, women who are incarcerated in whatever form we can, because we have to continually, it's really important for us to continue to build trust, to build relationship and to show up. I mean, we, we have to show up. So those, I'm not sure if I answered your question, but it's, you know, it's a balance there, right? It's balance of having a partnership with DOC, but for us, it's really about making sure that we are connecting with, with women and making sure that we have solid uh, trusting relationships. Yeah, I think that's so important, especially with women having such traumatic backgrounds. And then you overlay the oppression and the trauma of being in the carceral state to begin with. Trust, building trust is such a vital part of beginning a relationship, a meaningful relationship where you can actually be helpful to women. So I deeply appreciate that. Jenny, do you have anything to add? I mean, the biggest thing for us is confidentiality and being able to maintain our confidence confidentiality within the correctional system. And I think, as Jen said, because we've been so consistent um, with our DOC partners, they really respect that limit for us and um, give us latitude to be able to maintain our confidentiality. And then, you know, with recognizing the limits that we have to follow within the prison. Thanks, Jenny. You are listening to Creating Windows, Not Bars, Justice Radio with your hosts, Mackenzie Kelly and Linda Small. 
Today we're talking with Jen Lachance and Jenny Stacio of Through These Doors about the challenges women domestic violence victims face while incarcerated and upon their release. We explore what it's like to experience economic injustice and its impact on individuals, families, communities, and society. Are we just speaking about the ways that you support uh, women survivors of domestic violence? Jen, how do you measure effectiveness of your program? And do you have any data or meaningful tracking for engagement with individuals about how you help them build social capital through support systems? I love that question. I think that question comes up a lot for us because what people, what funders really want to know is recidivism, recidivism, recidivism. And for us, that's not how we measure success. We measure success on if we're able to continue to connect and be able to build those relationships with, with women. We have, we collect data, which we don't share, you know, any identifying information with individuals. The way we look at that is how many women have we been able to connect with this month and what, and, and what type of activities were, have we been able to provide? The other piece of that is we're really trying to build our work with women out when they are being released into their communities. So we can hold, you know, we want to build connections and trust while people are in the facilities, but we also want to make sure what do you need when you're, when you're out? What do your what do your support systems look like? Can we help you build better, maybe healthier support systems if they're feeling if they're feeling like maybe they don't have the best support systems when they're leaving? So for me, the long answer to that is we don't measure by recidivism. We measure by how many times we're able to connect, what activities we can provide, if we're able to safety plan with individuals, if we're able to provide resources, if people call us within six months, if they're out in the community and they're like, nope, I'm all set, I don't need you which is totally fine. We don't take that personal. But if they call us six months later and say, hey, I've got this situation. Do you think you could help me? That's how we measure success is that they're, they, that they are, people are willing to continue to access our services if needed. That's great. I really love the fact that you measure by connection because I really believe that that's one of the most important parts to reentry. And that's what Linda and I do with reentry sisters, right? That's a huge part of it, feeling like you're part of something and somebody is there to have your back. And that that's monumental. Jenny, how, how do you help women transitioning from prison and uh, help them cope with trauma and helping them maintain their own safety? As Jen said, it's about building that connection on the inside and carrying it through when people are released. I think I've spoken with so many women who identify that they don't have a safe place to go or the place that they're going to be released to is back to a person that's not safe for them, which is challenging. But when the when the legal system is saying we need you to have an address for probation, or we need it to be this or that, it's really hard if you're coming out, and you don't have somewhere to live, it's very easy to end up back with the person that was abusive or criminal activity, whatever was going on prior to going in. And so really trying to help people think about what other options do they have? Is there other sort of transitional housing options we can help people get into or shelter options so that they have the opportunity to land someplace safe and consider what they want their next phase of life to be, as opposed to having to make decisions just to have a place to go to get out that might not be safe or set them up for the success that they want or the goals that they have. And I think one of the great things about our programming in the jail and the prison is that because we don't work for DOC, and we don't have any agenda, we really can just let the people that we're working with guide us. So really listen to what it is that they want 
without there's no fear on their part that that's going to look badly for them with whatever they're doing inside. And so really listen to what it is that they want and then think about how we can make that the safest, most supportive environment for them. Yeah, I have a follow up question for you, Jenny. Jen mentioned you have a full time advocate Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what her responsibilities are? We have a full-time advocate, plus then um, a bunch of us still kind of dip our feet into the work, Jen and I included, plus another advocate. So we have a full-time advocate and then a bunch of people who help. But the primary role is to just be present in those systems. So we facilitate a weekly group at the Cumberland County Jail, several groups up at the Main Correctional Center and the Women's Center and at the Reentry Center. And those are all designed to give people a space to talk about abuse that's happened in the past, talk about coping skills, talk about healthy relationships. And we really base all of the curriculums for those groups on what the people that we're meeting with want to talk about. So if, you know, it comes up like talking about how can I maintain connections with my kids while I'm incarcerated, next time we might bring in group materials about that. And it's really a a peer-based letting people, we're there to facilitate the group, but we want the people in those groups to take ownership. Um, And then we also do individual advocacy with people to help them do some of that case planning to think about, you know, what life will be like on the outside when they're getting ready to be released. And for people who aren't going to be released anytime soon, there's often still, you know, lingering pieces to work on that relate to domestic violence and healthy relationships. And so we're available to meet with people individually to talk about those things too. Wow. I love that you customize the program depending on the women's needs. In general, sometimes a woman in county has completely different needs than a woman in prison, especially if she has a much longer sentence. So I think that is so important to recognize, you know, yes, we're working with this community, but we're also working with the individual woman to make sure that she's safe. She has what she needs. She has a social capital that will back her up once she goes back into the community. So I love that. Could I add something? Yes. To I, I love I love that we don't have a box curriculum. We have to check a box off. Like we did this, we did this today and like kudos, good gold star, you know, that we are, we go, we roll in to a, to a group. And that's how, you know, when Jenny did these groups forever and, and, and now we're that it is where we meet people where they're at on that day, we have a, you know, loose idea of what we want to talk about. We have no idea what happened over the weekend at the jail. And there may be stuff that people need to talk about, or they've had a really difficult phone call and they need to talk about it. You know, those things to give some safe space. We are, we just hired a safe uh, women's reentry advocate for the reentry center. So right now we're having another advocate fill in that spot. So just so we all know, <laughs> if you go into the reentry center and say, where, where's through these doors advocate, she's coming. <laughs> um, and the other thing I wanted to say that we that we really pivot to is right now Cumberland County isn't holding women. They are women have been transferred down to York County. We got the call to say, hey, I know you're doing groups here, but we want to let you know they're in York County. So we pivoted, and, that, and that's what I think we have to do best, right? When we're meet, we're trying to meet the needs of people, and we're working on getting into York County with Caring Unlimited, which is the Domestic Violence Resource Center in York County, and we are soon to be trying to do weekly, bi-monthly groups, two two groups a month down there to stay connected. Like I said before, it's like, how are we going to stay connected? What, you know, what do we need to do? So I just wanted to share that too, because uh, that is a big change, a big shift and a big barrier for women who are, who are being held, who are now down in a different county. 
Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Jen. You know, that speaks to the long-term and trusting relationship you have with corrections throughout the state for them to call and prompt you and say, hey, you know, this is what's going on and can you help us accommodate the women's needs? So I, I think that's very, very important. And I wish more community service work folks would have those same types of relationships to reach in and not just necessarily wait for someone to be released because often that can be too late for some of these women. Yeah, completely agree. So the Department of Corrections publishes as many as 90% of incarcerated women have histories of sexual or domestic abuse. Right? And abuse in childhood is strongly correlated with adult victimization, substance use disorder, and incarceration. So what community engagement does Through These Doors participate in to help mitigate this harsh reality for women? Can we start with you, Jenny? I think Through These Doors does a lot on in community engagement. We're always trying to um, bring our messaging forward around domestic violence. Um, educate the community about what domestic violence is, how prevalent it is, as you mentioned, um, even more prevalent in populations like individuals who are incarcerated um, and others who have, you know, experiencing oppression. And so we always try and highlight the work that we're doing in the Correctional Center when we're when we talk about our work and and to give it a context, right? Like people are going prison in of itself, as you said, is a traumatic experience. People are going into that setting already experiencing like uh, often lifetimes of trauma, more trauma than than the average person has had in their life. Um, and so we want to really bring awareness to that and talk about that so that we can help make systems changes about the way that prisons operate, the way that women are supported while they're in prison, I'm trying to keep all those things in mind because we know the prison system was really not designed for women, right? It's designed for men and then adding on the trauma to that. Um, so really trying to help think through how we can best support people and doing that in our community as well as within the correctional system. Yeah, that's really important point, Jenny, about corrections is designed for men. And traditionally, that's where all the attention goes. That's where all the funding goes. That's where all the focus goes. And so that makes the work that you, the two of you are doing even more important. So, um, Jen, do you have anything to add? about your community engagement? I just think it's important. We always want to have a place at all the tables to make sure if women who are incarcerated don't have the voice, that we make sure that we share what we learn to make sure that we give that voice to folks if they don't have the opportunity. So anytime I can, I like to say, elbow my way into tables, I'm happy to do that to make sure that we give voice. We prefer having women who have been formerly incarcerated or or incarcerated to have that voice themselves. But if they can't, then we're happy to, to, to share that with their permission. I'll give an example of, you know, working with probation. If someone's coming out and they're working with probation, we want to make sure that they are feeling supported and that they have uh, a team so that, that they know that they've got other people in their corner that it's, you know, if they're having a hard time, not to say they wouldn't have a hard time with their probation officer, but they might. And that, that we can help build um, a support team so they're not feeling like they have to navigate that alone. That's just like one system thing that I think about, but it's important that we're making sure that we're giving voice to, to people who oftentimes are silenced. 
I absolutely love that you said that, you know, because I, I really felt like I didn't have a voice in my active addiction, especially in my early incarceration. And I started to get my, you know, that back for myself after a period of time. But some of us, we don't know the first steps to getting that back. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that there are women out there like you that are, you know, giving us power again to our voice for us to be able to seek that for ourselves. And you know what, Mackenzie, that's the goal, right? Is to provide the space, provide the table and help build build women up so women can say the things that they need to say, right? Like, mm-hmm. I want you to say your experience, your lived experience and be able to be heard. But if you can or you're not ready to do that, then I want to be an ally to walk beside you. So, and that's really how we want to model our work at Through These Doors. So thank you for sharing that. No, that's great. Thank you. Do you think you both could share maybe with our listeners ways that community members could get involved to maybe help repair and prevent the damage caused by this sort of violence? Uh, Jenny, let's start with you. Yeah, we're always looking for volunteers. We cannot do this work alone um, through these doors. It's a 24-hour, seven operation. And so anyone who is interested in volunteering with us, we would welcome that. You can get more information on our website. And I know that there's tons of, I mean, as when we go into the correctional settings, we are technically volunteers in in the county system at at DOC. We a little bit more formalized, I think. But, you know, opportunities for people to, like you said, Linda, to reach in and be able to provide those services. There's not enough out there for women who are incarcerated. I remember when I first started was when the correctional center was housing women down in the B pod and they had nothing all day. Like they were, there was no programming down there. And we started a group down there, just sort of a creative writing group, like a a book club, just to do something, to have, have something that people could focus their thoughts and their time on. So I would just encourage the community. It's, one of the most rewarding things you can do, I think, to go in. People are so happy to see you and to have something to think about other than, you know, everything else that they have going on. Um, so any passion that you have that you could bring in to offer um, groups or individual advocacy skills, those types of things, I think is beneficial. Yeah. And if I could add, I would, we love having other partners come in with us as well too, because sometimes it can be that women and people who identify as women who are in facilities may trust us, know, you know, from, are familiarized with the advocate and then maybe an easier transition to have that community partner come in to do that work with us and show a special skill or workshop or do something like that, which is important. And then I think on the outside, you know, what communities can do is landlords can help with rent, right? To be able to allow for people who have records to stay at their uh, at their apartments and employers can step up and say, this person is uh, worthy and can do the, do the hard work here. I, I think about those opportunities that that people have to that are up against when they're when they're just trying to show up when they're out in the community that I think as community members, we can do a lot better with. Great. Uh, thank you, Jen and Jenny, both for being here and sharing with us the incredible work you do for women survivors of domestic violence and giving us, a, you know, an overview of how you help women who are incarcerated and who are domestic violence survivors. In coming shows, we will explore public safety, the unique stigma justice-impacted women face, and the experiences and struggles of returning citizens to create meaningful and productive lives. 
Next week, please join Representative Charlotte Warren and Zoe Bocas on Justice Radio to learn what can be done to redefine and reimagine equity, restoration, and justice through legislative action. And visit the Justice Radio show page on WMPG.org for archived episodes aired on WMPG and WERU. A big thank you to Samuel James for his gift of music that opens and closes each episode in our series.